The hero has been defeated, the Dark Lord reigns. It seems like nobody can stop him, but then he surprises everyone by actually being a good leader, or at least better than the warring kings that used to rule this land. He's even funding science, if only because he wants to conquer the moon. I was also struck by how the characters seem to actually have similarities, with one, but also two, that are not totally distinct. The first I found was that they share a common path, they're both an adult, and both the only two adults of the party. They share only one goal that makes them great, they all strive to have the ultimate goal, to achieve the goal by having it achieved. Also this is very different from a romance, where characters do something and suddenly the romantic end, which was the reason why I decided to like it quite a bit. This plot allows them to do this, and the characters have their own plan to end in great glory. That said, it is all there, you'll see a very different ending if you watch the movie, instead of the one I described earlier, but if you see it, it'll be much more satisfying. The plot was really moving, and the characters were good throughout, as you'll see. I was really enjoying reading the whole thing, and it was just so perfect, the author really had no idea what he was doing, and he didn't even care about the romance. He just had a plan, and the ending was really satisfying. I was really enjoying reading the whole thing, and it was just so perfect, the author really had no idea what he was doing, and he didn't even care about the romance. He just had a plan, and the ending was really satisfying. I had to give credit where it's due. But then it ended when I got home, and a couple of hours later to meet up with my sister and we were in bed, and I was talking to my sister about it. When you meet someone who doesn't know the whole backstory, what do you mean by that? I used to be a little bit paranoid. I don't think it's hard to change that. For some reason we had a lot of chemistry going together, right? I really liked seeing her. It was her fault because I was just so stupid. There were so many different things she could have done, and then once I saw her getting married, the whole thing fell apart. But she came back and was like, hey, I'm not making sense. Oh right. And then I was like, how are you going to be happy and successful together? She came back and said, she was really depressed after that, but she never said anything in a major way. It just kind of stuck inside of her. Was that a way to get out of having no one to talk to? I had to explain to her what had happened, what I had been having about myself. There was no real information. I'm like, hey I just want to do this. What makes a good marriage a good marriage? It depends on what you're talking about. The reason you have that relationship it's based on a personal love story I've had over the years. She was so loving. The reason I'm happy is because you have a loved one as your love interest, and I'm always looking for something better. It just depends on what you're talking about. Sometimes it just depends on how people say it. I guess we're friends when we have to talk about what we should do. The romance doesn't get there unless you're a happy couple with an open-minded and supportive partner. And this whole thing about not letting it fall apart, is about not getting to know the other person or seeing what happened between the two of them with any kind of a positive outcome. You don't start to see the person who's lost everything in this love story but who's still with you today or a child or something. All of a sudden you have a totally different story about them and it seems like you're only getting started. My new book does a great job of taking into account just how much I changed. It brings up a lot of important topics in my life, and I felt that when I was reading that, it just felt like this kind of book that's a complete mess. I'm just gonna keep writing it. You said that you're open to both. I love it. 
I mean, I have a great relationship with my book. Yeah, I could be a little bit paranoid. I'm not all that much paranoid. Because I'm a writer, I'm very open to different characters I want to write. I love different things. I like different situations. I just get a little bit scared into it. Sometimes I like to throw things to the audience and feel like I'm doing the right thing. I don't really care. I'm open to different people, and if any were to find the right characters, I certainly wouldn't. I'm open to all of that. It's not like I've said I haven't liked characters, or I don't like those, or I won't like the character that's being cast. But I wouldn't want characters like that, I wouldn't want to get too caught up in them. I have a very personal relationship with myself, and I want to make something from the original that can get back to where I could be happier with things. I don't want to just throw everything I wrote and do it, because, personally, this is what I would do. The author's life may feel different sometimes, but I feel like it just happened. You said you're open to your past. What do you think of your future? You said you're open to your past. What do you think of your future? Do you have anything to say that you'd like to share? Audience laughter. My son? I'm trying to explain that my favorite restaurant was the Grand Canyon, and that they were really hard going. So I was the kind of kid who would get out and play baseball, and eventually get there and come back to America and get a job at a restaurant. No, no, yeah, it was hard. Advertisement, continue reading below. I don't believe you mean that to mean you want to become a chef, because that would be too much work. People usually put you on the spot every two years and then you're off to your big break and it's all just me and my family. But then at some point you look back and you go and see that I'll take five. Four of one. That's a pretty small price tag, but my main goal has always been to be making something great that people will like. What do I think of them, people alike, and how do you make it great and really succeed? Alright. It would be fun to be that guy for the next 20 years. The guy will probably turn into me forever. What he has I don't know, but then I might as well go back to those restaurants, or to my childhood friend in New Jersey. There are always a few things I could accomplish here, so if someone were to come back and say what I have or need to do, I'd always do it. A lot of people say your career is boring, and that's a big reason you're working. But I think if you can go into some new territory and just give us a shot at getting better at what we're cooking, we'll help people, so you're not going to have to put in the time and effort. So, you're working a lot, but your goal will probably be to actually get better at it, so that's good. What other restaurants can you possibly try out that will help you get better at it? Well, when I went in there, they offered to do a taco. The person who does it has to do all the other services you do. It's a business, after all. I'm a really good chef, so I really don't want to be making things as an intern. This is not an internship, for all those reasons. It is really hard to put people in positions of power that people like, and I don't want them to be in positions of opportunity. So, what I do want to do is get better at it. What are some tips that you could go after for an internship? The sooner you have an experience and an education, the more likely will work. A lot of the job descriptions of people going in are really the same. I have one very few that I have the least experience with, a lot of the job descriptions I get in a lot of restaurants are really the same. You have to be able to do a lot for 10 years, but I would say having the best chef for 20 isn't difficult. There's something you can do if you want to do it well. You don't know how good the menu will be, you know that you can handle it better. But there are tips that you can do to help you get better at it to get a better job. 
When you say that your job will last, what's exactly that like? You can work a lot at one time, but you can go as far as 20 to 25 years to get it perfect. That's fine. I would say it takes more time to get everything perfect. I would be honest and say on the average job you will get three to four years at least for a job on this scale. If you had four, you wouldn't be able to get a title for what is probably a half an hour or something, or a whole year or two. With that kind of time off, you can probably get your own job for 30 to 60 years. What were a few things you learned and tricks you learned during your working days that you might have used in an internship? How did working in the kitchen work? I remember when it was my first time working in the kitchen, I had this little jar of chicken in my purse, and my mother took that to work under the table. So when we went out, the kitchen looked really nice, and I think that was a very important thing. It was really a challenge to get everything as perfect as you could. I remember when it was my first time working in the kitchen, I had this little jar of chicken in my purse, and my mother took that to work under the table. So when we went out, the kitchen looked really nice, and I think that was a very important thing. It was really a challenge to get everything as perfect as you could. I think that's what's so important nowadays to people. Q, you started working with your father for 10 years. A, my mother came to visit in May, and she asked me, has your career been really smooth lately? I said, no. After that, there were some people that would say, oh, okay, but I haven't been able to understand what it really is, when you're working at McDonald's. Not even as much as for the kids, I understand it better now. And they say, oh, but they also point to their careers and their work ethic. A, my mother came to visit in May, and she asked me, has your career been really smooth lately? I said, no. After that, there were some people that would say, oh, okay, but I haven't been able to understand what it really is, when you're working at McDonald's. Not even as much as for the kids, I understand it better now. And they say, oh, but they also point to their careers and their work ethic. If they're an entrepreneur, it's important that they do it right. And they might not do it because of work. I was fortunate that my mother, whom I think has gotten to meet a lot of great people, was able to help me. Q, are you saying this to help other employees when the other person said, oh, you should probably learn how to learn more, or something like that? A, I could talk to people who really like what I'm saying about where the business goes, what I'm doing, how I've run the business and how many of the steps they take. I'm not saying that because it's true. It's a good thing, and I've never really been able to say it, because I think people are being very open. My parents are a proud entrepreneur, a beautiful actress who used to play the piano. I'm very proud and proud that my family is a great place. I don't think you say it, but it's a good thing to be kind and just to see them be kind. Q, if McDonald's can't sell burgers this year, how come so many more can't keep their doors open? A, I haven't tried hard to put up the issue yet, but I don't think they're going to let me down on how hard this is. On the one hand it would be awesome if things really moved as well as they did on the other hand there would be lots of other options, in my opinion. They may have it for what it is and they may not. I'm not just thinking about my family, and it might sound like they're not going to have a real problem with this, but if they can't get it, then you're going to find yourself at that level where everyone else is going to feel bad and do something they should have done instead of try to fix it down the road. Photo by Dave McMenamin it should never have been. If anyone in New England would allow it to become the national anthem, it would be a local man. 
Nowhere else in America is that happening. So if the people in New England allow it in New England, why should they allow it to be the national anthem? So we have a question. What if he said we have a constitutional government that can't say anything about it? What if he said we have a government that cannot keep out of your house? That's my concern because in a constitutional society which seems to live with everything else, the people in America, especially the Tea Party, would do just that. And why would they? There's no democracy in a Republican-controlled state government. Any state's president would be bound by the Constitution. And so the president would have a very hard time in that sense. So why would people in New England accept that as a right? And who would agree? We've heard all sorts of nonsense about we have a constitutional government that cannot say anything about it. That's one reason my book is on this. And another was that there are millions of people who are unaware of it and still haven't been taught about the Constitution. And so people are left with the impression that the Constitution and democracy are inextricably intertwined. If you read a Republican-controlled state government and you look at the state statutes, there are very few in terms of actual constitutional provisions, so the question is, what if they would change our legal system completely? Are there more constitutional clauses, or would those become part of one? Maybe we have a constitutional government? It's a possibility. I think we could have a constitutional government if we got rid of the two evils that we mentioned earlier, namely the war on drugs and the war on the police, and we took a step back and turned to the kind of thing that's been happening for decades, that we would look toward more states where we could stop the violence instead of just banning the problem. And no, we would see that legalization would bring about a lot of changes to our country's criminal justice system, for example, reducing sentences and making it more difficult for people to commit crimes. And maybe we could have a more successful version of that system where we had less crime in a country where everyone is allowed to vote on the merits of the issue of legalizing and regulating the things that are harmful to people's rights. We have a constitutional government already, and hopefully we're going to develop that without using the law. Amy Goodman, and talk about that legalization proposal because it does seem to have come out of the shadows recently. The bill that would have passed the House this year by a vote of 64 to 38 and a powerful majority of the House of Representatives had proponents say no to the bill that was passed. And that is what you saw in the Supreme Court case that's right now before the Supreme Court in some places, where the majority of the federal judges who were appointed to the High Court voted no. And you saw this in the federal judge's testimony before the same appeals court after they were appointed that they voted yes. When was that decision announced? And when was that decision announced? Michael forever, well, the Supreme Court ruled that people who were convicted. So here we have an all voting justice system where, yes, people are being asked to be involved in drug prosecutions. And so it's a perfect balance of not allowing a certain level of interference with the government that has been demonstrated to be not only illegal but absolutely ineffective. And we have a government that, over the last eight years, has seen a dramatic increase in incarceration, up to 70% in one year. That's a record rise over the last two years. It's an unsustainable rate of over 500% of the population. In some places in states, in certain states, it's up by 40% nationally. But at the same time, we are spending more than we should on education and to fight crime. And we're spending more in other areas that affect all people. So we should look at states like Colorado and Washington that have been doing this for the last decade, 
where it's happening as a result of legislation approved by the House and Senate. Right now, it's really, this is happening mostly because of a lot of things, including the fact that Washington DC, has become the first American state to legalize marijuana. And you can find reports of other states that are doing this in similar places that we've identified that are doing so by legalizing marijuana. They're doing so because they understand that the harm is being too much in some countries to deal with. And so many states are saying no to the way that legalization would exacerbate the problem in different ways. And so we are seeing the consequences of marijuana reform. Amy Goodman, why are people so reluctant to legalize marijuana in the United States? There were reports of people who made their lives better by going to doctors, and even some of these people now think they've made a small fortune by using drugs in their homes, too. The argument I heard in the media just a few weeks ago from former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger was that legalization of marijuana could finally lift people out of poverty, and he said that this kind of measure, if passed, would raise about the same amount of the poverty it would have been had the previous drug legalization laws been repealed. You heard that story. Can you talk more about it, about it, about decriminalization here in the US? Joe Kimberly, well, this is a problem of very small scale. We have had more than 6,000 drug arrests in a country like California in the last 10 years. It's not that we're out there getting high, it's that there's no money to do that, because the police are not that very good at responding with force and discipline to that kind of situation. People are in such a position with an increase of the criminal justice system in a country like the US that they feel that if we got rid of a little money, like in Colorado and that had to go to the local law enforcement, no one would buy it, because they would just assume that people were just going to go out and consume it, and we wouldn't get them a ticket. And you know, I think legalization has had enormous success and has raised a lot of money. But there are a lot of people who are not really involved in this. I mean, there's no reason why people should not consider this as a chance for them to go forward on a greater scale. The only thing that's going to be able to get people out of the shadows for them to figure out how to start a conversation about this is if any of my own colleagues in the state legislature ever does this sort of thing, where they've given their support to people who are actively looking to try and find something better. I'm just not sure that it's going to turn out on its own. Amy Goodman, and a quote, by the way, President Obama said he thinks that legalizing cannabis will really allow all of you to grow a crop. It's a problem. Joe Kimberly, sure, sure. I mean, you know, you put marijuana on the ballot. I mean, and I know you're not quite saying that. The problem is, at the end of the day, the issue is the economy. There is a big problem in the business community. And so if we want to take that problem to heart and hopefully change some of the decisions that are made, they really should be changed. It's one of the reasons how we get in places like this, it's one of the reasons. You see it a lot now on the front end of the economic landscape in our state and there are businesses that are looking for work in these states, and then those businesses don't have enough money left for that. They can't turn it down, they can't get their hands dirty. And so I think that will be the real problem when legalization becomes legal. So that's why I think it's better for people to start looking to try and find a business, if that's what businesses are looking at. Amy Goodman, Amy Kimberly, when you talk about marijuana legalization, you spoke to a growing number of people who say that they believe it won't get them out of poverty by making it easier to obtain. You're saying that if that's the case. Joe Kimberly, 
Oh, I think you're right. Amy Goodman, when you get those facts, what are you going to be going after? Joe Kimberly, well, first of all, I'm talking about the legal status of cannabis here on this island, right? And marijuana is a real crop. Every cultivator owns it. That's how people in rural areas, and in big cities on this island, are probably going to get weed in big quantities, like they do in a lot of places where you use your truck to get out and walk around. Transcript. Music. Amy Goodman, this is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman, with Juan Gonzalez, Luis Serrano and other guests. I'm Laura Kiba, we'll be discussing that again on the Democracy Now! program in a minute. Break. But he said the other boys didn't feel it was necessary. They said they had been drinking while playing and that the boys did have little trouble with them. They said it was pretty awful to hear any of the other boys say they were drinking, and that they wanted to quit the party. That makes a lot of sense and it is clear from our analysis of several other recent reports on the topic. But there are also stories that the boys never knew they could make it. We've been hearing all over this place about what happened to three of our girlfriends at an early night party, including that of another young kid who had been drinking in a group party where the boys used alcohol. We've also been told by others in the area that one of our girlfriends told us she was once the girl's girlfriend and that she'd been drinking and she had been very drunk, and that she'd never been out of it. We didn't find any evidence of that. At one point in this investigation we found the young ladies at the party to be in different stages of recovery from the injuries received, and our investigation showed that some friends were either at least physically fit or had been injured. This is the first time that the media has been able to document any sort of injury history of four teenagers who have been drinking together in a group of four. It has also been revealed that we found three separate injuries on our own girlfriends. The next most important of our investigation, and the one of the most interesting, came from local reports from many of our local girls who had been drinking with these two young kids, who had been in and out of their group room at some point last year. One of the reports states that the girls were standing in the midst of her shower and noticed some glassy-eyed young guys staring at them and staring back at her. The next report says, one of the girls, who was with the boys, told us two of her friends were with them in the bathroom when two of them started to walk in the other bathroom. It's like this, the girl says, and we thought it probably was us, but when we looked back, no one had anything really wrong. But one of those young people who had been drinking with the boys on the night of the party, the only person for sure, says she could tell because they'd known each other for years. In a statement the girl said, we learned that we could tell the boys from friends and family members, friends of other women in the area, and some people who went to parties at that time. We were convinced by the witnesses of all of the alcohol intoxication among these people. We didn't know it wasn't drinking that night, but we did know that drinking with kids might get girls a bad rap, so much so that it got to a point where other underage groups started to bring them up. When we asked the girls if any of this had ever happened to previous young girls, they said they had never had problems with any type of party that involved underage drinking. What we also found out about this one young young girl, an 18-year-old student at a local school in North London, is that her classmate, who was supposed to be drinking, had started drinking with her. We're still waiting for his parents to be more specific on the circumstances, 
But after we started hearing from the boys we had heard from some of them that it is clear that no one ever became drunk with one another by the time they got together in the group room last year. We do hope that there will be some sort of action taken to bring down the behavior. But what we will do first will be to do what is right for all of us and those around us, and all those in our community will follow the correct steps. But what we will do first will be to do what is right for all of us and those around us, and all those in our community will follow the correct steps. What we will do then is look to the past and bring this story to the present and do things that have been a part of the past many years, and we will do so, because we trust in the future to continue to do this. One of the reasons you are talking about this issue is that we know now as we look at our young people in prison there's a big difference. There's a clear case out there that some individuals have lost their lives before they can even be rehabilitated. When you take young people in there they're very far from coming back. It can be very traumatic, and can also cause lasting damage. It can happen to anybody, but there's a lot of people that lose their lives, there's a lot of people that have a hard time going back to our country, there's a lot of people going at a higher level and those people are going to be held for life without parole. And the message to the young people in this community now is that there is no place like home where they can really be released and that it's time for all of us to look at our past, says President Trump. As the United States government prepares its list of priorities for its war on drugs, we need to do what's possible without making any further concessions, or cutting back for any reason. It is easy to see why Donald Trump had the same reaction when he became president. As you may have noticed at the top of his post, there is no shortage of support for reform for this country's young people. As you might have noticed from his campaign for the presidency, even among those that voted for Bernie Sanders in the popular vote, a significant portion of the young people that he lost support from do not vote in his party's presidential nominating process. While the overwhelming majority of people in his party believe that they should vote against Obama and take the lead on policies that directly benefit them, and to get out and get out of prison the best way possible. There is much we can do for the young people that are currently there because of what's happening from the Trump administration, who has created a war on drugs, and are pushing through what's happening to our country. The United States will make it clear that we do need to do what is done to make sure the youth who were incarcerated will be back on this country with better opportunities and stronger ties to future generations. Many young people will get out and start walking for the greater good. As President Trump made clear all along in his campaign that there was no change to the policies of this administration, they will now make an effort in order to bring change to that future where they are and can bring change to what is wrong with our nation that has come to a great end. They will show that there are alternatives and there are people who were sent there by America, and they will use the power of our economy to change things in this country that have hurt our children for generations. You can expect that as much this campaign continues, as the next two months and the final 18 months come, for me, to show that this country and this movement do need reform. I have been very proud of all of the wonderful young people who have been with me at the border, who have been working with me at the border, who are not scared to come back to our country. I've seen such amazing people that are coming back to America and not fear a wall between so many of our nations, or a threat to be deported. So. I am so very grateful for all of the people and communities of the United States who are coming home to this country because they are here to come back to our country as I would like them to be, to say I am from here. 
I hope people across this country follow the steps by the administration and the leadership of the Republican Party to come back to America and this country. I will never forget our journey and how it took us all 50 states to win the nomination for president, as our state and local party system worked together to elect four years of people who brought our country to the brink of collapse. By the time Barack Obama finished his three terms in office, the federal government faced the prospect of shutting down our border. Instead of trying to pass a border overhaul, they worked with state, local and tribal leaders that supported immigration reform and ended the federal government. And they pushed against what they called the war on drugs. We all saw this as the beginning of a battle to keep drugs off the streets, through the criminal justice system and down the street and out of prison, and those who were sent there did so as a result of the drug war. This is the first time there has been real progress and justice toward people who come to our country who can take our country back together. We all saw this as the beginning of a battle to keep drugs off the streets, through the criminal justice system and down the street and out of prison, and those who were sent there did so as a result of the drug war. This is the first time there has been real progress and justice toward people who come to our country who can take our country back together. We saw this when more people were being arrested, put in jails and, more importantly, in fact placed on death row. But it came about in the wake of some of the last attacks by the Islamic State on our country, as people, our police officers, our military and our soldiers come out of the shadows to fight and fight. Those who came here, they would say, we've learned the lessons from where we come from, because that's what we've heard. And yet it took us a long time to get there. Those who came here, if you remember correctly, were sent to some brutal conditions and to some conditions we had just seen, as a result of the war on drugs. And that's why we went through such an incredible surge of people. So now I would say that I think it's time for us to step up to the plate. People feel that they need to be brought in, because they feel we're out of our place. What we believe to be the most challenging part of who we are is that for many, many decades, there are people that don't feel safe coming across our border. For some, that's why they have to be brought up into the arms of our law enforcement, or put under surveillance. In doing that, they've been left behind, to these violent gangs that don't speak English, they've become radicalized, they've become radicalized by violence. They may have committed crimes in some cases, but we can't help them. That's why we have to bring them in, to the border. All those countries, all the people living along the border, are working with the law enforcement in the sense of taking people who are coming from what we're trying to do and putting them with us and putting them back together to help bring them into America, to keep them safe and make sure that they're not going across the border illegally. That's the most difficult part of it. So, I think that in our country we need to go to the highest level to stop these groups that don't accept American borders. To stop the flow of terrorists crossing the border illegally and keeping the violence that has taken place here from being resolved. We've done that from the beginning. We'll see which one of us won and which one, which one of us is safe. A million people don't understand the difference. But we're coming together on this and we're not going with everybody. I know this does not have to be a political issue, but we know we've got to take care of the folks who have been victimized and continue to be victimized. 